This is the Encounter Community Church podcast, where we will take one or two nuggets from Sunday's message and look at how we can take, utilize, and apply it to our lives. Welcome back to the Encounter Community Church podcast. My name is Ken Dollar Jr. And I'm the pastor here at Encounter Community Church. And, and I wanted to start off by asking you to do me a favor. And that is, if you enjoy the podcast uh, that we do as Encounter, and if you can rate and review us, and again, one of the things I like to say is that if you would not give us a five star, please uh, talk to us, tell us why, so that we can continue to improve the quality of this podcast. Because again, our goal is to be able to touch as many lives as possible. And just being able to rate and review, that allows us to be able to do that. That way people could be able to discover and find this podcast and be a part of the story. Again, there's something else I'd like for you to do or ask you to do me a favor. Uh, Right now, uh, as I'm talking, my wife is with my dog at the vet. And just, just be praying for us, be praying for our family, be praying for our dog. Honestly, by the time you hear this podcast, we would have already gotten the diagnosis, we've already gotten the response. And and, and I I pray that it is a favorable one. Here's something that's really interesting. One of the things I never thought that I would ever say in my life is that I love my dog. (laughs) Never thought that I would be saying that. I was actually one of those guys that criticized people who loved their animals and who loved their dogs. And it would be like things like, come on, dude, it's just a dog. Like, get over it. Relax. Just, just chill out. But, but I will say that Sugar, my dog, has stolen my heart. So she is the one that really broke down the wall of love <laughs> that I could have towards an animal. And, and, It's the same thing for our family. Our family loves and adores this dog, especially my wife. So just I just pray that we get a favorable outcome from the vet and that everything is good moving forward. Maybe I'll let you guys know next week what the outcome is. But I I would really uh, enjoy that, and it would mean a lot to us and really appreciate that uh, as well. But right now we are in the middle of a series that that we've been doing called I'm Out, subtitled, When You've Lost Faith in the Faith. And and one of the things that I've been doing to prepare for this series is I've been just going through article after article and reading stories of deconversion experiences and just trying to understand why is it that people tend to walk away from God. And there are two reasons why. I think the first one is because of what somebody told them God is like. So rather than having this opportunity to to dive in and to experience God on my own, which in some cases we have, but still the foundation for our belief about God and who he is is based upon what it is that someone else has taught us. And then many times what happens is as we get older, especially if you're someone who grew up in the faith, 
that eventually you walked away. But what happens is as we, we get older, we, we hit a place where there's a challenge. We hit a place where there is a conflict of belief. We, we hit a, a place where we begin to question things. We, we hit a place where there is a challenge that happens in life that just seems so difficult and, and impossible to overcome. And it seems like you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, and you pray, and things still don't seem to turn around. It still doesn't seem to fix itself. It's, it still doesn't seem to correct itself. And, and, and it seems like the more that we pray about it, the more absent God seems. And, and so many people, because of their experience and how their life does not match up with the experience, or I should say their experience does not match up with what they were taught that God is like. And so their response to that is, I'm out. I'm done. Or, or the other issue I think people have is with the Bible itself. And there's some questions that they begin to wrestle and, and struggle with. And because they can't reconcile life and the Bible, they walk out on their faith as well. Now this Sunday, what we did is we camped out with the first group. People that learned about God and that the God that they learned about how he was inconsistent with their life. And here's what we encouraged them to do. Here's what, what I said is that if you walked away from that God that maybe never existed, that maybe was never really a true picture of who he is, I, I, don't, I, I don't blame you. I, I get it. I get it. And so what I would encourage you to do is if you weren't able to listen to last week's message, I would encourage you to go to our live stream. Uh, you can watch it there and you can just go to our website, encountercommunity.church, click live stream replay. Uh, it's also available on our Facebook page as well as on our YouTube page, but you can watch the replay there and be able to dig into what are the different gods that people are taught that they tend to walk away from. But here's what I wanted to, to dive into. And then next week, just to let you know, I'm going to tackle that question of people who walk away from God because of their struggle with, with the Bible, because of their struggle with Scripture. And, and there's a revelation that I might share that may surprise you. So I would encourage you, make sure that you tune in to our live stream this coming Sunday. You'll find us both on Facebook as well as on YouTube. So you find them on both. But tune in this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. But one of the things that I wanted to dig into today is I wanted to wrestle with this question. And that's simply this. Why are deconversion stories so powerful? But why is it, why is the story of someone walking away from their faith, walking away from God, walking away from their church, why are those stories so powerful? And I think one of the reasons why they're so powerful is because they are just as significant as the stories that we tell of people who actually come to faith. And 
if you if you listen to their stories as I as I have done over the course of preparing for this series, it's, it's interesting because when you look at the dynamic of someone's deconversion story and you compare that with another person's conversion story, they follow the same format. They follow the same format. So first of all, there's this connection of identity. I was someone just like you. I struggled just like you, or I believed just like you. I acted just like you. I felt just like you in, in both stories a conversion or deconversion story, there is that connection with someone who is a part of the group that you're talking to. Of course, with the conversion story, probably the group that you're talking to would be someone who is far from God or people who are far from God. And with deconversion stories, probably the people that you're talking to are other Christians. But there's this aspect of, of, of connection, of identity. I was, I was just like you. And then usually what happens is there's this discussion of, of crisis. And, and so with the, with the conversion story, usually the crisis is some struggle that they've had in their life, some, some sin that they've had in their life, some, some setback that they've had in their life. And, and so they begin to just kind of break down what that crisis was. And, and with the deconversion story, then what you do is you have a crisis of faith, right? There's a crisis of, of, my belief that there's a crisis of what do I hold on to? And maybe what happens is I, I have this crisis where what I, what I experience, again, doesn't necessarily match what it is that I believe, or maybe what I see doesn't necessarily match what it is that I believe, or, or maybe there is this push where I see culture moving in a certain way, and, and the, 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 the direction of that culture is, is inconsistent with what it is that I believe. But, but, but what happens is there is some internal crisis that happens in the life of the person who is giving their deconversion story. And then in both cases, there's a revelation, right? So in the, in the conversion story, there's that revelation. like. I was going through this crisis and this is what God showed me. This is how God stepped in. This is how God worked. This is how God revealed himself. And so there is that aspect of the story where I come to this understanding of God and who he is. And then with the deconversion story, you also see that too, where a person comes to a point of revelation, a point of insight. But, but there's something that they, that they see that leads them down the path of moving further and further away from their faith. But there's this insight that they gain. There is a revelation. And then finally, there's the conclusion. Right? So what the, the conversion experience, what the person would say, so based on my connection, just like you, I was a person just like you, based on my struggles, just like you, based upon this revelation of God and his incredible love and mercy for me, I've made a decision. And that decision that I made was to follow Jesus. And then usually what they'll do is they'll tell you a story about now how their life is different after they've decided to follow Jesus. And then we go to the deconversion story. And we find that same thing too. Where we find that they say, you know, I was, I was a believer just like you. I went through this crisis. I came to this revelation. And now with that revelation, I come to a conclusion. 
And that conclusion is I've decided to walk away from the faith. Or maybe not necessarily walk away from the faith, but maybe I've decided to amend my beliefs. But, but there is some element where there is a, I guess, progression away I guess what that be degression, <laughs> you know, but, but there is a movement away from the faith. And so with that, I, I think as I've been reading, some of the deconversion experiences that I'm reading are just so, so powerful, just so incredible. And again, like I said before, with some of the stories I've read, I, I get why people have decided to walk away. I've decided, I, I get why people have, have, have walked away. I, I, I get it. But, but I also say this. I, I want to challenge uh, those of you who listen, are listening to this podcast and you call yourself a Christian. I, I, I want to challenge you. Because I think as Christians, one of the things that has caused more deconversion stories to happen than should have is our response. Is our response. Sometimes what happens is our response to someone who is struggling and wrestling and trying to process faith, sometimes our response solidifies their decision to walk away. To walk away. We have a fantasy football league here at our church that we do every year. And one of the things that we like to do is we like to give away a jersey to the winner of the league. And everyone throws in 25 bucks for it. And in the league, I will say that I've won a few times. <laughs> Not to be arrogant or anything like that. But I'll also say this. I haven't won in a while, so I feel like I'm due, baby. So this COVID-19 thing better end soon so we can make sure we get our fantasy football thing on because I need to draft Tom Brady to my fantasy team. And yes, call me a homer. I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> That's one of the things that we like to do is, is it's just kind of fun. And, and so what happens is there was one year that I won, I got a jersey. So then a couple of years later, I won. And I was like, well, at that point, I'd had, I have, uh, I'd had three different Buccaneer jerseys. I had a, I see, I had a Warren Sapp jersey. I had a throwback Leroy Selman jersey. And then I also had a personalized jersey that the most incredible wife in the world got for me. So I was like, you know what? I don't need a, another Buccaneer jersey. So what I did was I decide, I've decided that if I have enough jerseys that are Buccaneer jerseys, when I win the league, I'm going to start collecting throwback jerseys. And so the very first throwback jersey that I bought was a Kellen Winslow throwback jersey. Now, for those of you who don't know Kellen Winslow is, he's probably one of the greatest tight ends to ever play the game. He actually played for the San Diego Chargers. Uh, and so I decided to get his jersey. That was my first one. And here's, here's what was really interesting to me is when I would wear that jersey out, it was like, huh, what, what, what? Are you no longer a Buccaneer fan? Like, what, have you given up on your team? You know, which 
I understand. Why do you give up on your team? Like, all of a sudden, it was like, oh, my goodness. Like, Ken, I've always known you as a Buccaneer fan. How dare you, like, walk away? And now you're wearing this jersey of this other team. And my response was like, hey, slow your roll. It's just a jersey. <laughs> but there is that feeling, isn't there? When someone has a football team or a basketball team or a hockey team or just whatever it is, when they have that one team that's their favorite team and then you all of a sudden see them rooting for someone else, what do we say to them? What do we call them? We say they are a what? Two words. Yeah. Sell out. Especially if the team that they decide to root for is a winning team then we call them a sellout. Because the idea is you're supposed to stick with your favorite team through thick and thin. That's what a real fan does. That's a, a real fan is committed to their team. So now let's take the same analogy and let's apply it to Christianity. And, and isn't, that, isn't it that they're feeling? Sometimes when you talk to certain Christians, you get that feeling, like, right? You are on Team Jesus. <laughs> you are on Team Jesus, and you wear the Jesus jersey. And, and what happens is once you are on Team Jesus, then you are not allowed to question your role on Team Jesus, nor are you allowed to question Team Jesus. And if you decide to walk away from Team Jesus then what happens is basically the followers of Jesus will call you what? A sellout. Among many other things. And Christians, that's where we've, that's where we've blown it. And, and some of you who are listening right now, who have gone through your deconversion story. And if you're listening to this and you've gone through a deconversion story, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this. But those of you who are going, who've gone through a deconversion story and you're listening to this right now, you're probably shaking your head. You're probably going, yep, that is so true. That is the reason why I left is because when I began to have questions, when I began to raise those questions, then all of a sudden people would say things to me like, well, you should pray more. Or, or they would say things like, well, here's a book on apologetics. Why don't you read that? <laughs> or, or they would say things like, oh, you're just being divisive. You're not supposed to ask those questions. You were just being divisive. So they automatically began to, to question your heart. Or maybe they would give that appeal. Why is this so hard to believe? Or, or no matter what it might be, but there was that there was that there was that feeling like you're leaving the team you're walking out you can't you can't do that which i always found very very interesting like as christians one of the things that we love to do is we love to promote the conversion story and we will put it out there but then we turn we turn a deaf ear to the d conversion story and I think we need to listen to those too, especially when those deconversion stories reveal the simple fact 
there is several things that are problematic about the way we as Christians respond to those who have questions, the way that we respond to those who have their doubts. Especially, I, I think one of the things that makes it even more difficult sometimes too, as Christians, is when we see someone leave the faith and they seem happy. Because isn't that our thought? Our thought is when you walk away from Jesus, because Jesus is the answer to life. Jesus is real. And please, please, don't miss my point, but I really want to make sure that you understand this. I'm not saying that it's okay. Just don't miss my point. But but I, I really want us to, to, to understand this, that I think when we see someone walk away from Jesus and they seem happy, we actually throw out the claws a little bit more, don't we? We, we judge a little bit harsher. We begin to condemn a little bit more condemner. <laughs> I know that's not a word, but, but you understand what I'm getting at. Is It seems like the happier that they are with walking away, the harsher we are with those that leave. And it's interesting because you know what I've never seen? I've never seen someone go, you know what? I was so moved by the way you judged me. When, when you condemned my very soul to hell for leaving the church, I was so broken by that. And so you know what? I decided to come back to Jesus. No. <laughs> that doesn't happen, does it? It doesn't happen. But yet, it seems like as believers, we never learn. We never learn. So, I guess what I, what I want to encourage us to do is I want to encourage us to, to get to a place where we are okay with people who have doubts that we are okay with people who struggle. And, and, and I wonder if part of the problem is us as pastors. I, I remember once when I was meeting with a group of pastors and we were just talking about, you know, the, the kind of relationship that we wanted to have with our church. And I was telling people, you know, I was telling some of those pastors, you know what I want in my church is, is I want a place where I can be real. Like, I, I want a place where, you know, I don't necessarily want to completely broadcast all my struggles, <laughs> you know, but, but I want a church where there are people that I can trust, that I could say, here is the real me. And here is what my struggles are. And you should have seen the response of some of the pastors. Like, oh, you can't, you don't do that. You can't do that. Oh, you are, you were going to get fired. You were going to get, you can't do that. <laughs> I mean, you should have saw the response. Uh, for lack of better terms, we, we, we created this phenomenon. We, we created this place. We, we created this 
this, I guess, for lack of a better term, we, we created this culture, right? This culture that says we can't struggle, we, we can't wrestle, that our faith in God has to stand firm, <laughs> right? I think that is so unhealthy. I'll be honest with you, like, even in my own faith, there's been things that I've, I've prayed for, and I, I haven't received an answer. And, and there was something that I prayed for, for for years, for years and years and years, something that I really longed for, and I didn't see an answer to it. And I'll be honest with you, there, there were times where I wondered, like, God, you really care? Do you really care about this thing that I, I care about, that I, that I wrestle with? Do you really care? And let me tell you, as I say that, I've not been struck by lightning. <laughs> like, you know, that God's okay with it. You know, God's a big boy, as I like to say. He can handle my doubts. He can handle my fears. So what if, as pastors, we led the charge to say, you know what? I don't have this thing all figured out. Yeah, maybe I've gone to Bible college or, yeah, I've, I, I can give you the Greek breakdown of the word love. And, and yes, I might know scripture inside and out. But even in the midst of knowing all that, there are moments where I still doubt. Gosh, could you imagine how freeing that would be for people? Some of you who walked away from God, you're also listening to this and you're saying, man, if my pastor would have done that, I'd still be a Christian. Because you know what would happen? If we, as pastors led in this way, and as Christians, we modeled this as well, and we allowed people to wrestle and people to struggle, do you know how much compassion, how much mercy, how much grace, how much forgiveness? Do you know that people would know that it's okay for me to wrestle and still hold on to this thing? I, I'm, I don't have to walk away from Christianity with these doubts because it's okay for me to have them. There's an article that I read, and it made this statement in the article, and, and I loved it. it. It said this, God values authentic doubt over fabricated faith. I love that. Let me, let me say that again. God values authentic doubt over fabricated faith. I love that. And I think that that is so fundamentally true. That's why we have books in the Bible called Job, which is all about a guy who wrestled with doubt. 
That's why we have Psalms, which is a book of uh, a book of songs. Psalms is songs. And in some of those songs, it's written doubt. I mean, it, they, they ooze doubt. And, and did you know when Jesus Christ was on a cross? There's this moment where he says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. He's talking to his dad. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? So even in the midst of that, here we have Jesus being authentic about what he's wrestling with. We have Jesus being authentic with what he feels. We have Jesus in that moment opening up this world to us. Here is Jesus Christ in the flesh himself saying, my God, I'm struggling right now. Dad, I don't feel your presence. Dad, this is hard. So if Jesus models that for us, then isn't it okay for us to step into it? And then also, isn't it okay for us to allow others to step into it? as well that maybe we can begin to model healthy doubt and the result of that will be people who will be able to continue to be a part of the fold and work through the process and just imagine because I think this is what Jesus would want there are times in the Bible, like in Isaiah, there's this one point where God says, hey, come on, let's, let's reason together. Let's talk this out. Another one of my favorite passages is in Exodus, and it says, it says that God would speak to Moses face to face the way that one would talk to a friend. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a, a servant doesn't know his master's business. He said, I call you friends. And, and you know what it means to be a friend? I, I can reveal who I really am to you. And as a friend, I can reveal my doubts. I can reveal my struggles. So I'm hoping and praying that, that maybe through this, as Christians, we can begin to turn this thing around. And as Christians, we can begin to allow ourselves to have conversations where people can express their doubt and I'm not threatened by it where people can begin to ask questions and I'm not threatened by them. And, and, and isn't that the sign of someone who's really confident? The sign of someone who's really confident is that they're not easily threatened, right? right? I don't feel the need to jump on my soapbox when I am confident in who I am and what I believe. 
And I wonder, I wonder sometimes, is if the way that as Christians, I wonder if we respond the way that we respond sometimes because we're not honest with ourselves. We're not honest with our own doubts and struggles. And so it's much easier to judge someone than to say to someone, you know, I have doubts too. And again, I want to make this really, really clear. You can be a follower of Jesus and not have it all figured out. You can be a follower of Jesus and have some fundamentally challenging questions. And it's okay. And if you're someone who's listening to this podcast and you were told the opposite and that's the reason why you walked away, then again, on behalf of the church, I want to apologize to you and ask you for your forgiveness. And and, and I do. I just hope that in my heart of hearts, I hope that we can all get to this place where when COVID-19 is done and Starbucks is open once again, and, and how many of you, be honest, how many of you are missing a caramel macchiato? Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> or when Coffee Bean opens again, I'll tell you, I am missing my chai tea latte from Coffee Bean. <laughs> I'm, I'm missing that. So so just imagine when those places open again and instead of slamming people, instead of jumping to conclusions, instead of putting my my judgmental, hypercritical, hyperpolitical condemnation of someone in my freaking Facebook post or my Instagram comment or my Twitter tweet, instead of putting my garbage there, it causes other people to say, I am so done. Maybe what we can do is enjoy a cup of coffee and sit back and just say, you know what? Tell me your story. Let me hear your doubts. And I'm okay with you having a struggle. If God's okay, I'm okay. And if God is a big boy, then maybe I need to put my big boy pants on too. (laughs) And let's walk through this together. I wanted to close with lyrics from a song called Come Thou Fount. And it's actually one of my favorite songs. I I don't, we don't usually sing it a lot in our church because there's some phrasing in it that if you're not familiar with it, it's it's really, you know, there's, there's some phrasing in it that you just, if you don't understand it, it's hard to follow what the song is really saying and it can become 
a distraction to you. So, so we really don't sing it at our, at our church. Um, but there's, there's a line in it that I, that I really love. And, and one of the reasons why we don't sing it at our church, just to let you know, is we want to make sure that when you come to our church, that you can relate to the music, that you can relate to the message, that you can take it and apply it to your everyday life. And, and just, there's just a line in this song that's really confusing. But there's some line, there's this course in it, our verse in it that I love. And it says this, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. You know what it's saying? I struggle. So God, I, I just yield and I just hand myself over to you. So Christians, let's let those who struggle be able to do so. And let's step out of their way. And maybe, just maybe, it's time for you to step out of your own way and be real with your own doubts, your own struggles. And let's process this thing and walk through it together. Again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope that this has been an encouragement to you. And again, join us this Sunday for our live stream, 10.30 a.m. It will be on both of our, on Facebook and YouTube. You can head over to our pages. It will be there. And we would love to have you join us for this journey and to be a part of it with us, with us. So again, just a quick reminder, encounters about three things. Love up, love out, love in. Love up, where church is madly and passionately in love with God. Love out, let's continue to love our fellow man. Again, COVID-19 is an opportunity for us to show love in ways that are unimaginable and people are so open to showing love. So let's look for ways, look for ways, as many ways as possible to show that love. And then love in. Make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Again, take plenty of vitamin C, get some rest, get better, and just... Again, protect yourself. Well, take care. God bless. And we'll see you once again next week. Thank you for taking a moment to listen to the Encounter Community Church podcast. If you're looking for a way to get more connected to our church, head over to our website at encountercommunity.church. You can see the times of our services as well as the events that are happening at church. And you can feel free to come out and join us. Also, if you'd like to make a donation, to our church allowing us to continue to make a difference in our community then you can head over to the page that says online giving and you can follow the link from there well take care god bless you and we're looking forward to seeing you once again next week